Hello and welcome back. It's the end of the week, so it must be time to chat. I am your host, Barry Carolus, and you are listening to Pa de Chat, Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In my weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I am happy to share my 13 plus years of experience with you. Whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form, there's a little bit of something for everybody. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. A few years ago, I was dancing as a guest artist with a company, and I had an experience that I've had very few times in my career, where a fellow dancer got really nasty with me. While the dance world is extremely competitive, it's actually pretty civil inside and outside of the studio. There's never really much aggression towards one another. So you're probably wondering why this dancer unleashed their wrath upon me. Did I steal their role? No. Did I give them an unsolicited correction in class? Nope, I didn't do that. What stirred this young man's fury was a comment I made about the popular TV show, So You Think You Can Dance. After telling him that I loved watching the summertime TV series and defending it to a degree, he began to turn red. Within seconds, he was yelling, actually yelling, about how this dance competition TV show is destroying our art form and telling me how he wanted to get into a physical altercation with me. I was sitting on the couch confusedly laughing uh, because I really thought that he was kidding until he stood up and started barking something about destroying our art form and then very quickly stormed away. It was actually pretty shocking for me to see somebody get so worked up over a popular TV show. While this was perhaps an extremely overreaction, there actually tends to be a general feeling of disdain from many dance professionals towards nearly every mainstream dance show or movie that has been released to the general population on either TV screens or movie screens over the past years. We are in an era where Hollywood and the media love sensationalism, and much of the available dance entertainment offers a sensationalized glimpse into our exclusive lives. And while some of these depictions aren't necessarily true or over-dramatized, is it really that bad of a thing if audiences aren't being given the exact picture of what our lives are like in and outside of the studio, on and off the stage? So in this week's episode, I wanted to talk a bit about a few of the shows and movies that have been playing in people's homes and at, in movie theaters over the past handful of years and to really try to determine whether these shows and movies are a good thing for our art form or a bad thing for our art form. So let's get started. The first show that always comes to most people's minds when they think of uh, dance being depicted on a screen, big or small, uh, is the show So You Think You Can Dance. Just in case you haven't seen So You Think You Can Dance, it is on the television show network uh, Fox, and it usually runs every summer. And it's one of the longest running dance shows on TV. Uh, lasting over a decade at this point. 
The show is pretty much as commercial as it can get. It's a dance competition, and most of the dancers that take part in this competition are between the ages of 18 and 30, and often either already involved in the commercial dance scene or hoping to break out uh, into that scene as a part of the show, or by taking part in the show. One thing that I can tell you based off of... uh, my own colleagues that have been on this show. Most people don't realize that many of the dancers have had previous interaction with these judges and choreographers. Uh, Many of these choreographers started to get their name on the competition uh, and convention dance circuits. Uh, When I was a kid, I was raised at a competition. Well, we were a recreational dance studio that got into competition dance. And uh, there are dozens and dozens of choices for these competitions across the country and as a part of most of these competitions they often have conventions where the judges will teach a a class and some choreography and uh, if a dancer is lucky enough and strong enough to win an award at one of these competitions it's not uncommon for them to be asked to travel around the country with these conventions and competitions to assist choreographers. Um, So a lot of these dancers, they they pretend on the show like they've never met these judges and choreographers before, but most of them have actually already had interactions with these, with the, the people that are on these shows. The general format of this show, although it is changing this season to include younger dancers, uh, I think between the ages of 8 and 13, it typically in the past has been between the ages of 18 and 30, but uh, the show is essentially comprised of a period of time where they show the auditions uh, from city to city where dancers try to get onto the next level, which takes place in Las Vegas. And then from there, they go through a more intense period of auditions. And then finally, they uh, often name a top 20 or top 10, depending on the format of the show during the year. But uh, once the the dancers are on the, the actual television aspect of the show, the live performance aspect, they perform short duets that essentially get a a short intro where the choreographer tells you their inspiration and you might hear something that maybe ties you emotionally to the dancers. And then, and that's used to really get you emotionally invested in the dance. Uh, one of the complaints that I've heard is that really the dances are too short to really dig in deep artistically and that this causes a lot of the pieces to come off as shallow and uh, generally lacking artistry. It seems that the the judges are more interested in tricks and wow than than any artistry that could be offered. And often when it there is a really touching moment within these routines, it's really pointed out. But in the end, the person who is chosen to win the competition they called America's favorite dancer is not usually the best dancer in the competition, but more often the most likable uh and like I said, it's, this is often really swayed by the judges' opinions. So this show, it's uh, not necessarily a true contest of who the best dancer is. And they don't necessarily hide that. They often say that it is America's favorite dancer. 
So one thing though about this is uh, I, I think that the dancers that are a part of the show are really quite amazing, and they have generally good technique. While yes, some of them may have some flaws. Uh, they share most genres of dance, though, uh, especially in my field, ballet dancers don't feel that ballet is uh, represented as best as it it can be. But it, uh, I don't really see where it, it hurts our art form here. It gives dancers a temporary fame status that was n- never shared by most dancers before this show, though that fame doesn't seem to be very long-lasting. It also gives choreographers a platform to be seen without a producer showing up to one of their shows, which could be really difficult if you're having a show in, uh, let's say, Houston, Texas, and you'd really love to be working in Los Angeles, but how do you get a Los Angeles producer to come and see your show? Beyond that, there are millions and millions of people watching this show. So my overall thoughts about this show essentially are that there are some really impressive things that happen, but at times, uh, due to the lack of uh, true content beyond a two-minute duet or a short solo the or the very limited group dances that they do at the beginning or ends of the shows, uh, they can often come off as tacky when you're looking for a really deep level of... Uh, overall artistry but the show from what i've heard from my non-dance friends i've heard them say that it's inspired them to see more dance locally or to put their kids in classes uh, or even to get themselves in classes so i don't really see how that can be detrimental at all also the show has really inspired boys to see that dance can be athletic and masculine around the country uh that's easier for to be seen by by boys that are living in cities that have a more uh, pronounced art scene. But uh, a little boy in a small town in middle America that may not have access to seeing that dance is not effeminate and uh, something that boys shouldn't boys and men shouldn't be doing. Uh, this could really inspire them to move forward and uh, perhaps start taking class and maybe eventually have a career in dance. So this is clearly not a bad thing. Essentially, I see shows like So You Think You Can Dance as a bridge to getting people that wouldn't necessarily have found their way to uh, towards dance to uh, become interested in, in our art form. It's a gateway to our art form, kind of like how the Mannheim Steamroller uh, is getting people to go see live orchestra or or how the Harlem Globetrotters can inspire somebody to go see a basketball game. But uh, So You Think You Can Dance just does this in a a dance sense. Next up on my list of shows that many a dancer think are taking away from our art form would be one of my favorites, (laughs) Dance Moms. And I think that Dance Moms should be renamed The Real Housewives of the Competition Dance Scene. This show, it follows around the owner of a competition dance school named Miss Abby Lee Miller. Uh, and she produces some actually really talented young dancers. Um, and they all compete on her young elite dance team. 
uh, the, the moms of these dancers are forced to stick around and watch rehearsals and take part in helping prep costumes and the competition, which uh, often would never happen in a real competition dance school. The parents fight, Abby Lee fights, the kids cry. It's really quite abrasive, and I do think that it's it could potentially be destructive. Uh, there's lots of yelling and lots of drama, and a lot of inappropriate things happen on this TV show that you really wouldn't see happen in too many dance studios. It can be hard to watch at times, and a lot of the content is often contrived. The the producers will put people together in a room or uh, inspire a conversation that I don't think would just naturally happen. My partner cannot stand the sound of Abby Lee's shrill screaming voice, but he still finds it amusing that she always loses her voice uh, by the end of every single episode. Uh, it seems that mostly that the audience for the show is mostly comprised of young, hopeful dancers watching possibly many of the dancers that are attending these competitions. So probably a lot of tweens to teens watching and their dance moms. While the dancing is often quite good, I have seen some instructional videos online of the dancers and Miss Abby Lee uh, attempting to teach some ballet steps, and they actually called out the improper names of these steps, and some of them were performed incorrectly. So, uh, while it seems like these students do have really great training, I don't know if the content that is being shown is always the best content. But this show has produced uh, these children into a few of them are internet stars with music videos releasing. Uh, and of course, there's the one major star that's come out of the show. That's uh, Maddie Ziegler, who has appeared in music videos with Sia from... Uh, What's that one? Uh, Chandelier and also Elastic Heart. And I think they've said that she's about to be uh, starring in a movie with Sia. And then also the show that I was just talking about before that she's going to actually be a judge on So You Think You Can Dance the with the Younger Kids, which I don't really feel is completely appropriate to have a child uh, telling other kids what to do because while she may be a beautiful dancer, I don't think that her actual understanding of dance is fully developed at this point. I wouldn't call her a, a master instructor or really necessarily think she would be capable of judging somebody's technique and putting that into a uh, critique that is constructive and helpful. But with all this said, I love this show. It's my guilty pleasure. Um, <laughs> I call it my soaps. <laughs> Just like my mom used to watch General Hospital when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I watched Abby Lee, Miller, Maddie, and everybody else on the show for entertainment only. Some of the kids are very talent, very talented, and I enjoy their dancing, but it's mostly too young for my taste when it comes to the actual dancing. Uh, but it is better than sitting through uh, a small local dance recital. I think it's a, a poor representation of training in the, in the United States for the most part, and a lot of things that happen in those dance studios, uh, or at least on television in those dance studios, rarely happens. 
if the show isn't completely fake like Laguna Beach was, <laughs> where you only found out that it was fake at the end of the show, the kids involved in the show will definitely need counseling at some point. Nobody should ever have to put up with such a negative and really sometimes scary environment that is portrayed on that show. You can always get better training in a much better environment if you find yourself in a situation like that. If people think that this is the real dance world, I'm more concerned for them than the effect the show actually has on people and their perception of the dance world. Next up, let's take a step away from television and talk about a couple of movies. Uh, the first movie that comes to mind uh, when thinking about different uh, friends and people I've talked to in the dance world that have issues with uh, it would be the Black Swan movie, which was really, really popular in media, in mainstream media a few years ago. If you haven't seen this movie, it, it features uh, Natalie Portman, and like most dance movies, it uh, the premise of it starts with a young, uh, very talented newcomer to a company who's trying to break into uh, a star of the company. Uh, and Natalie Portman is an upcoming uh, dancer in a, in a company, and she is uh, potentially going to get to do the role, uh, the dual role of. Uh, Odette Odile and Swan Lake. And as she's preparing for the role, she's essentially having uh, a breakdown. And you can't tell if she is truly having an emotional breakdown or if this has become reality. Uh, her ultimate goal was to perform the role and do it perfectly, which uh, I won't give you any more information. If you haven't seen the movie, you'll have to watch. But... Uh, a lot of dancers that I know were worried that people would see this as a dance movie uh, versus a psychological thriller uh, because the, the truth about this movie was that it just happens to take place in the dance world, but it isn't necessarily fully about a dance company. Uh, it was more about this woman and her experience. The movie is twisted and definitely rated R. Uh, it was really intriguing, and I actually really liked the movie. I, I'm sitting in my bedroom because I'm broadcasting here in Philadelphia today, and I actually have a poster of Natalie Portman uh, from Bat Black Swan sitting right above me right now. Um, most of the dancing in this movie was actually pretty good because they used real dancers. A majority of them were from Pennsylvania Ballet. Um, and Lauren Fadley, who will either just as released her podcast or will be uh, releasing her soon, was actually in that movie. She's a Pennsylvania Ballet principal who is transitioning to Miami City Ballet. So a little plug here. If you want to check out her podcast, go check that out. But uh, one of the big issues with the quality of dance in the movie was that uh, Natalie Portman kind of lied by omission about much of the dancing because she had a body double, Sarah Lane. And there was actually some drama where there was a 2020 interview where Sarah Lane was uh, discussing how Natalie, she didn't do a lot of the real dancing in the movie. But for the most part, the quality of the dancing was quite good. People everywhere were talking about this movie, and uh, it was, I think, generally enjoyable if you're interested in those psychological thriller types. Uh, 
I don't necessarily think that this movie was an accurate <laughs> representation uh, of any dancer in the dance world, but it did have a few hints of a couple dancers that I know that are quite neurotic. Um, but in the end, it was actually kind of fun to play Pick the Dancer in Your Company that best represents Natalie Portman's character. <laughs> Uh, but all that was just in fun. I, there is, I, I haven't experienced any dancer that is quite at the, the level of emotional struggle that, that Natalie Portman goes through in that movie. For me, I think that this movie really pushed dance forward into the, the spotlight, uh, across many medias. Normal people wanted to uh, get ballet bodies, and I, I feel that the Pure Bar uh, workout and all those other bar workouts that came out really seemed to explode during this time. Natalie Portman won an Oscar, which meant that not just independent film audiences were watching this movie, but just the general population was watching this. And I really feel that it was helpful to our community by creating interest on a grand scale uh, for our art form, and especially ballet, which tends to be the least commercialized uh, genre of dance when it comes to, uh, to dance. Next on my list of... TV shows and movies is the recently released uh, Stars sh Network show Flesh and Bone. Um, I was actually at a Pennsylvania ballet party the other day uh, celebrating the careers of Lauren Fadley, uh, who I just mentioned, and then and Fran Francis Fayette, her her husband, who actually retired from the stage. Um, and I was walking around chatting with some people, and I can't remember exactly who I was talking to, but Flesh and Bone came up. Uh, we all know a handful of the cast members uh, that were in the show and actually heard some really good stuff about getting to work on the show. I actually auditioned for a leading role. I didn't get that and I was out of town for the company auditions. So I, I could have had a, po a possibility of being on that show, but just timing didn't work out. But anyway, I love the comment that one of the dancers made. <laughs> Essentially, they said that nearly every situation that has that happened on this show, uh, aside from maybe murder and incest, uh, has actually happened in a dance company. Now, it doesn't; these things don't happen that often, and it never, never all of these things, all of these things never happen in one company. But if you took most of the situations, uh, ranging from casting to stressful rehearsals, to uh, people going out and having fun. At some point, at some time, each of these situations has probably happened. Flesh and Bone probably comes the closest to offering some some really good glimpses at the inner workings of a uh, dance company. But a lot of the things that happen in it probably wouldn't fly today or were grossly over-exaggerated. Uh, maybe back in the 80s, <laughs> some of these things would happen. But uh, today, uh, a lot of uh, the, the dance world has changed a bit. In the show, there are situations that involve sexuality, uh, drugs, incest. There's nudity. There's a lot of emotional trauma, drama, and more. 
This show follows a young, hopeful, up-and-coming dancer that just joins a company, and the director sees her and right away swoops her up into a leading role. Uh, just like the premise of many other dance uh, TV shows and movies. Uh, the difference here is that she has a handful of baggage and emotional issues from a really rocky upbringing. For the most part, the dancing in this TV show is fantastic. Uh, they used real professionals doing their thing in front of a director that truly seemed to care about the quality of uh, our art form that she was portraying on the screen. But again... I heard so many dancers complaining that it was a horrible representation of the dance world. But for me, I saw it as using dance as a catalyst to tell this woman's, this young woman's story. For me, I loved this TV show. I loved the drama, and it was really fun to see a handful of my friends on a TV screen in a, in a popular show. I loved watching it get nominated for awards, including the Golden Globes. And while the story was pretty messed up, all I can think is that TV isn't going to be exciting to the general population if it depicts life as it is every day in any art form or beyond. Maybe for a short documentary style type film, but not in a limited uh, miniseries like this. There has to be something intriguing, like uh, How to Make a Murderer, or hilarious like 30 Rock, or intense like Breaking Bad, rich like Housewives, redneck like Honey Boo Boo, twisted like American Horror Story, or spectacular like the talent of all of these uh, talent shows uh, and competitions like American Idol, The X Factor, The Voice. The closest we got to real in-studio time was Breaking Point with Ballet West on the CW, but even a lot of that seemed contrived. Like, for instance, you'll never see a principal dancer and a young apprentice sitting in a studio talking about their concern over keeping their job. I think that most principal dancers are going to be uh, focusing on what they're working on um, versus worrying about whether they're going to maintain their job from year to year. It's entertainment, and if people are entertained, maybe they'll become curious about our art form and dive deeper into our world of dance. The way that I see it is the way that I've heard <laughs> being on the best dress list or the worst dress list explain. Essentially, it feels amazing and it's great publicity to be on the best dress list. But if you're on the worst dress list in tabloids, people are talking about you, which means they must be interested in you. I think it's better to be in the public eye than it is to keep our art form in the shadows uh, or behind a curtain. These entertainment-driven shows reach people and move people that may not have been interested or sought out our, our art form. Sometimes people watch and take uh, shows for exactly what they are, uh, but I feel like, for the most part, shows influence people to buy tickets to see shows, to put their children in classes, uh, or even to take a class themselves. It keeps, the dance, it keeps dance on people's minds, no matter the quality. So to sum up this chat, <laughs> I see it as a really positive thing for our art to have all of these different portrayals in uh, television and, and in movies. While most arts organizations are hurting for money and funding, these shows are not. 
and I know that because the dancers that uh, took that took part in Flesh and Bone, some of them made nearly as much as they'd make in one year in a very short period of time. It also offers visibility and accessibility in ways that the concert dance world just can't uh, make 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 accessible. But the concert dance world can benefit as well. It's all about getting a foot in the door, rear ends in seats, and then cultivating from there. Nobody knew the finer details of anything in culture, anything, without having some type of introduction to it. And if this mainstream, less realistic, or I fear to say dumbed down or over-exaggerated version of our world raises interest in, in it, and it ups the profile of our dance world, I really don't see how there is any harm in having these shows portraying our world. Here at Pod the Chat, I want to make sure that we cover as many areas of the dance world as possible. And I feel like we are really beginning to achieve this with these weekly podcasts. I hope that you found this episode insightful. Remember, if there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorollas.com. That's www.barrycorollas.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcasts or to book master classes in ballet and contemporary technique, choreography, or any speaking engagements with me. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premier Dance Network. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Corollas, or Twitter at Bariscos, B-A-R-I-S-C-O-S. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I've been writing about working as a freelance artist for over four years. I also have two YouTube channels, B. Corollas featuring my choreography, and Core-ography featuring my choreographic web series that tells the life-defining stories of professional dancers through revealing interviews and choreography. Thanks for listening in to Pod to Chat. I hope you return next Friday to talk dance with me and remember to go out and support your local dance scene.